0: Welcome back to the Geek Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Marvel's WandaVision. Snooper's gonna snoop. And welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and it seems like we are finally breaking through the hex in this episode titled Breaking the Fourth Wall. We got Monica blasting through like a photon torpedo. Darcy giving Vision an MCU recap. uh, And it was Agatha all along. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like Book Club, but like way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and the MCU in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode, be sure to do so and come right back in a snap. Now, before we crash our extremely expensive and somewhat useless space rovers into the Hex, let me introduce you to my international collection of hosts joining me on the show today. As always, we have... The Jim Halpert of judgmental, justifiable jinxes, Justin. Snoopity Snoop. (laughs) And driving down the delicious funnel of love, we have... The Devil's Kiss of Coordinated Quantifiable Chaos, Kevin Malone Hudson. I wanna be wined and dined and
1: 69. <laughs> that that's, that's a Kevin Malone line. Is that, that, is, that is? Is a
0: Kevin Malone quote, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, well, please do not spill any chili all over the floor. Uh thank you so much for joining us. Uh and joining us for his first time, his last time. And all the times in between at the same time, we have in his truest form, Michael Scott and the multiverse of Marmite,
2: Mr. Mike Hogsby Hogan. How are you doing today? I mean, would I rather be feared or loved? Easy, both. I, uh, I want people to be afraid of how much they love me.
0: Very cool. Well, we certainly love you. Thank you so much for for coming on this show. Uh, we've been wanting to have this happen for, for quite some time, and uh, we've had you right into the show before, which was fantastic during our Mandalorian Watch Club. Always love the questions. Uh, but, Mike, for for those who don't know, uh, who might be listening, uh, who the heck are you, and,
2: uh, and what are you all about? I uh, chat rhubarb on the internet uh is is the briefest way of putting it um i've known (laughs) i've known kev for um nearly nine years now uh we met from going to wrestlemania and then hanging out our, our various other trips including an alarming amount of times at disney world for uh, guys in their late 20s, early 30s. <laughs> Not at um, in, no. <laughs> incl- <a> all. Yeah. <laughs> including a magical wedding time where I met you guys. Yeah. Um, so, you know, bonuses all around. And at the minute, obviously, it's locked down. So I'm doing some work, uh, some helping out with Up Next, a wrestling podcast, oh, cool. mainly dealing with NXT, uh, but they cover AEW films, TV um there's a lot of twitch content i do a twitch <clears> show on there um also covering one division and films called the other guys um and random wrestling watch alongs just trying to keep a community together in in these tough times
0: and that sounds like you so you you sort of came from more of like a wrestling fan side and then sort of that spills over into like the the rest of the sort of geekiverse or or centric universe uh
2: yeah i was uh, i was always a, a massive cinema buff i don't know if i like the word cinema file it feels a bit posh doesn't it um but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah yeah yeah, but i do have a film database and maybe i am one embrace it um yeah um but no i've always sort of been into the geeky stuff maybe a bit of a late bloomer um but wrestling in itself is one of the nerdiest things you can be into right especially <laughs> travelling thousands of miles to go and see it some
1: some might even call it a guilty pleasure
0: yes absolutely
2: some, some may <laughs>
0: speaking of guilty pleasures uh, good shout out there Kevin uh, definitely check out our regular episodes of the podcast uh, we, up now we actually have our top guilty pleasures and uh, there might be some wrestling chat uh, in that podcast as well so be sure to be sure to check that out uh, but Mike yeah thank you so much for joining us we'll be sure to have some time for you to plug uh, later on uh, near the end of the episode as you like to do uh, but before we get back into uh, into the hex here before we break through on our thoughts uh, on what What happened in this week's episode let's start with a brief overview i want your high level thoughts on the episode and mike as our guest we're going to start with you could you give us your thoughts on the series so far as well as your high level thoughts on this episode
2: uh so i've loved it so far um as someone who doesn't have a deep knowledge of the law of marvel i know the mcu the films um, sure that's about it um so each week i've just been frantically asking questions uh, but the shows answered them um while providing new ones. Yeah uh it I think it treats the audience quite smart um but it's also very much still um sort of it's it's prestige TV, I'd say it's reaching that level. Um it's more than just the sitcom show, even though this episode was arguably the best for the sitcom elements. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, we saw the uh, the Modern Family stills, and uh, I believe that was going to be all we got. Um, didn't expect to see it so early, and then that office theme. And as as soon as I knew we were going to get an office episode, that was it. Episode <laughs> straight up to a, to another level. Um, yeah, it just it just keeps getting better and better for me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I thought, um, I thought the episode was, uh, another sort of, again, mind blowing, very revealing. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. Justin, what were your thoughts, bud? Um, yeah, I, I would agree with Mike. Uh, um, you know, they, they kind of mashed a
3: whole bunch of tropes of like mockumentary television comedy into this one. So you had the modern family, you had the office, Um, I think you had a little bit of Arrested Development, uh, just, it just kind of, some, some of it kind of spoke to me as, as Arrested Development. Maybe it was though, just the general mockumentary style, uh, that, that it had. Um, but yeah, you know, like this, this, this whole series has been a countdown to answers, Um, and I feel like that's, that's kind of been what it's been doing really well is like leaving you with these tidbits of, you know, new questions and answering some things and maybe making you challenge other things. And in this one, we definitely got a lot of answers that were very, uh, that are are definitely going to be set up up for the next two episodes. Uh, it's unfortunate it wasn't an hour. I, I, am I'm, I'm sad. It's, it's, I, I guess it makes the most sense because this episode had to serve one purpose. And that was obviously the ending, um, and setting up for what I'm hoping will Two one-hour episodes to send this series off. So um, I'm excited. It was it was a great episode. It was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, we had heard uh, and and kind of reported last week uh, that this would be. You know, Megan was able to drop that news that she had heard that Kevin Feige kind of confirmed it. Um, we mm-hmm. kind of looked into it a little bit further, and uh, and we realized that he did confirm the the amount of hours that the show would be. Uh, sort of done in uh, and I think people had done the math to kind of realize okay well that means the next three need to be an hour Um, so I mean hey maybe maybe one of them is going to be longer than an hour who knows Um, but we'll have to wait we'll have to wait and see uh, what that looks
2: like Uh, I also uh, wonder if there was a bit of a false rumor um, regarding the 10 episodes because in a way we do have the 10th episode uh, they announced the making of which we're going to get the week interesting after the season finale um, mm. similar to the gallery that they've done for the Mandalorian which I think is going to be um great if they make that a feature yes. length um documentary I'm I'm all about that in the break between this and Wind Soldier
0: Yeah and again maybe that is what falls into the uh the the running time that that Feige was kind of uh, originally talking about Uh Kevin uh let's hear it what were your thoughts on the uh on this episode dude I know I think you I think this might be like Mike, I know, I know you're a huge fan of, of the office. So, um, what do you think?
1: Uh, well, absolutely. Uh, I love mockumentary, um, television shows and movies, um, almost as much as I love anything else. And so this really felt like an opportunity to blow me away. And I think I might be a little on the fence. Uh, you know, as we break Ooh, down the episode, okay. as we break down the episode, I'll say sort of maybe some of my hits and misses, and I'm kind of, again, on the fence. I'm hoping that, I come to a more solidified conclusion about how I felt about the episode just in being able to talk Mm -hmm. with you guys about uh, everything that happened. But, I I mean, again, I don't think they've come close to anything other than a great episode. And this was another great episode. I just felt it was lacking in certain areas. I think maybe some of the answers we got were a bit on the nose, maybe not as – shocking or surprising as I thought they would be, but uh, I, I think Justin said it where this was really to help set up for that penultimate and finale episode, and so they had a lot of work to do, and I think in that regard, they handled that really well.
0: Absolutely, I, and I can't agree more with you, Kevin. I think I think you're right. This this definitely felt like you know to your and Justin's point. It, it's a more of a setup episode. It did feel more padded out, I think, than any of the other episodes. It felt there were times where it was a little bit slow, uh, and and I feel like that's kind of similar though to to the shows that it was emulating, right? Like there are a lot of those sort of a lot of the episodes that you would watch in The Office or 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 what have you, you know, have great moments, but it's it you know there's a, quite a few uh, moments in between that lead to those moments. I know I'm describing what a TV show is, but I'm just saying like. Like, you get what I mean, right? Like, there's kind of those slower
2: moments. Uh, Yeah, there was definitely, uh, I don't know if I'd call it a slower moment, but um, sort of side quests that you get in episodes of The Office, Uh, like Vision and Lewis in the van Um, and their repeated interruptions like that. Was the kind of subplot you'd get when you were away from Thunder Mifflin in an episode yes. of The Office? Yes. Um, yes. And that added quite a bit of comedic value to the episode as well. I thought.
3: <laughs> I read a tweet online uh, that said uh, they nailed uh, that era of sitcom because nothing was actually funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought there were some funny moments in this episode. I wow. thought so too. I thought so too. Yeah, yeah.
1: I didn't realize you followed me on Twitter.
0: <laughs> nice uh well listen uh i think it's about time we we dig into the plot let's uh, let's kind of get into it we're gonna go moment to moment here uh as we always do with questions in between um so guys let's just get right into it uh we open with wanda in bed uh, she's noticing that vision isn't beside her then we cut to wanda talking to the camera in the sort of 2000s uh sitcom mockumentary style recanting her recent outburst of power that expanded the hex in the previous episode. Uh, We get this very modern family quick cut uh, of the military soldiers and the sword base getting, you know, sort of sucked into the hex. And uh, you hear those like drums and it's sort of playing off in a comedic way. Then we see the twins, Billy and Tommy, running up, uh, telling her their game is freaking out. Uh, As their Wii controllers, I love this, their Wii controllers turned into GameCube controllers, which turn into Atari 2600 joysticks, followed by Uno cards. Uh, Billy mentions his head is really noisy and that he doesn't like it. And Juana's just tired of them. She's exhausted. She's an exhausted mom. Uh, So she just says, you know, I I need some I need some rest. Uh, She then comes down the stairs and prepares breakfast uh, when she notices things around her keep changing back to previous iterations of themselves from previous episodes. Uh, Then we finally cut to the intro where we see Wanda's name uh, over and over all the way until we uh, until the end when we finally see WandaVision. So, Kevin, before we discuss our thoughts on the opening scenes uh, for this episode, let's talk about that opening theme song, uh, because I feel like it was a mashup of maybe even a few modern TV sitcoms. Uh, Kevin, what did you think?
1: Uh, Well, I think I mean. Uh, that was obviously uh, 100% The Office yeah. uh, from the the, the style mm-hmm. of music, that sort of twangy organ sound. Um, this was one of the things where I felt like it was done well, but could have been done better. I just thought it was a bit flat. It was like, oh, here's <laughs> a few signs of New Jersey, but like, you know, like where's paying homage yeah. to different things like the 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 fax machines and the I don't know. It just it was good, but not great, in my opinion, but still got me. I mean, you know, feeling all the tingles with an office, anything office related is going to make me happy.
0: Yeah, Just, I, yeah. I, and I think if it had have happened in an office, uh, maybe that would have made it would have sort of felt a little bit uh, more appropriate to make it more office like. Um, but I mean, you know, one of the interesting things, of course, the piano was the office um, showing those letters actually felt like a nod to uh, there's a Rousseau Brothers show uh, called Happy Endings um that uh that uses that sort of motif in their intro so i'm wondering if they were maybe going off of that as a nod to the Rousseau brothers and then the the title card was very much modern family right like to a t uh
2: yeah i um one thing i noticed during the opening um because i am that kind of guy who pauses and looks at everything
0: <laughs> you're um, one of us
2: yeah the uh the <laughs> The fridge, um, which you'd think was magnets at first glance, was actually sort of a uh, ransom note, and it spelled out, "I know what you were doing, Wanda." Did any of you notice that?
3: One hundred percent, Mike. I caught that as well. I think that the title, you know, to Kevin's point, it didn't feel and have like the same sort of motif as as the opening of The Office, where you do pay homage to moments and characters and so on. But I think that it really set up what this episode's about. It's about Wanda, her isolation, uh, and 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 it just kind of moved through all these different variations of seeing her name, and then to see that ransom note. It's 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 kind of again breaking that fourth wall. It's our first instance of the fourth wall being broken, where someone is talking to that character and knows what she's doing. Interesting. Interesting. So,
0: so yeah, so going back to those opening moments, um, I thought that they did a a great job at kind of taking that sort of horrific moment of, of the hex expanding and then playing it off for a laugh. Um, what did you guys think of the opening moments in general, Kevin?
1: Well, uh, well, I, I mean, they, they, they started doing that really well last week in the Halloween episode where all of these very creepy, very like, uh, you know, questionable things are are being discovered by some of our characters. And yet the typical play uh, sitcom tropes of playing a certain kind of quirky music and whatever. And so in this one, it was, I mean, Wanda's very much channeling a Claire Dunphy played by Julie Bowen on Modern Family here. And it was Absolutely. like Claire, and it was, yeah. it was almost like Claire woke <laughs> up with a hangover, you know, from, Oh, that night before <laughs> yeah. and doesn't want to deal with her annoying family. And yet her family is like, desperately crying out for answers and for help. Like these poor helpless children are very confused about what's going on. And she's just, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting in bed, like, go away, go away. I need some silence, you know? And so that's like an awful thing to be happening Mm -hmm. disguised as a funny situation, which they're just nailing that part of it.
2: So good. Uh, She sort of seemed like she'd had a breakup. It was the, uh, it was sort of the morning after the night before uh, with her argument with vision. Um, and a lot like she'd had a breakup and just wanted a date for herself, Like, as you say, a very clear, dumpy thing. Like you can imagine her, like maybe having a bottle of wine or like something like that. Just like get away from the kids. Um, I, I thought they saw that part really well. Um, I enjoyed that in the opening scene. Uh, and she did seem to let a lot of magic slip by as well. I, I thought, and a lot of things that we as an audience would pick up on. Um, they just, she was completely nonchalant so i
1: i wonder i i i mean i'm not very good at picking up details but i wonder if when the milk was changing it went from maybe pasteurized to unpasteurized you know what i mean like in some sort of i like i, I want you know uh, like little details like that they're so good at so if they were to slip that in that would have been great
2: another thing i noticed on the milks um, when it quickly flashed to one there was a missing child um on the side of one they're all western oh, nice. dairy um, but there was a missing child poster, and yeah. uh, considering the the lack of children now we see uh, in Westview, mm-hmm. I know there's more we'll we'll talk about later. But I thought that was mm-hmm. quite interesting, especially considering uh, we'll call her Agnes for now. One of her comments that she makes later on in the episode, for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. D- definite um, foreshadowing there. Yes. Uh, so we come back uh, as we see Hayward at the sword temporary retreat eight miles outside of Westview, uh, where Hayward mentions that they uh, they launched today, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> we didn't get much more from that. Uh, then we, we cut back to Vision uh, and we see him inside the hex surrounded by the circus that had appeared uh, from the episode prior. Uh, after being yelled at by the ringleader, Vision is brought to Darcy, uh, the circus's new escape artist, which I thought was Awesome. Uh, After being creeped out by him, she she walks away as he pursues her further. Uh, Then we cut back to Wanda and the twins on the couch uh, as Billy asks Wanda about Uncle P and how he said that thing about re-killing dad. Wanda responds, breaking down by saying she has no answers. Uh, And she's starting to believe that that everything is meaningless. Um, So and then, of course, Agnes pops by right again, uh, just at the right time. Uh, and responds to Wanda's delusion by giving her her best sort of Jim Helper impression uh, and offering to take the kids with her for the day. Uh, she oddly asks Wanda to, to look at a mole on her lower back uh, and then recognizes that might be overstepping some boundaries. Uh, things start changing all around Wanda uh, again, uh, back to their previous iterations when she changes them all back, uh, exclaiming, to the camera that she is fine so guys what were your initial thoughts of of sort of darcy's in hex character um and did you catch some more of that foreshadowing dialogue uh in the scene with agnes uh justin go ahead i don't i don't really know like i I think this
3: is again just the 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 part of the episode that felt kind of slow Mm -hmm. i I don't know It, it was just kind of establishing little things but like you know, I think that after after we get to the commercial, I think that's where things start to kind of pick up. I think a couple of the elements that are are here. You know, she's diving deeper into her turmoil, even though she's built all of this dream world for herself. Um, She is succumbing to her her trauma so much more because that that is the, I guess, the constant theme here in this in this series. But yeah, I, I feel like the, the the hints of of Agnes, you know, kind of showing her, you know, friendly neighbor side. Uh, I thought was was you know a bit more heavy handed, right? So it kind of led to like, okay, something's up.
0: Yeah. And she didn't even react when the door was opened yep. automatically or anything like that, right? So she knows what's going on. Kevin.
3: Uh
1: well, uh yeah. On Agnes, um, uh, I mean, she's kind of been ignoring the magical aspects for a few episodes now, right? Anytime something like that sure. happens, yeah. she she doesn't mm-hmm. she's seeming less and less bothered by it. And I think they played off well from how they sort of suggested last week that maybe she isn't who some of us thought she could be or that she isn't really involved in this and she is just a helpless victim. And so here she is just being very, very nice and helping out Wanda. Right. Uh, I mean, obviously like, is there something more to that? And we might find out as the episode goes on, but uh, I just really want to give a shout out to Elizabeth Olsen here for this scene Because, I mean, I got so many more um, modern family vibes from this episode than I did The Office. And I think this scene in particular was like Mm -hmm. a spot on Julie Bowen as Claire Dunphy. Like I could just picture her having a a breakdown to Phil and yelling out and and, and getting (laughs) frazzled. And the way she did it with like mannerisms, the way she said certain words, I was just like, damn, that is a damn good Julie Bowen impression. So I was impressed by that part.
2: Uh, you mentioned about the uh, the magic um, and sort of wonder and Agnes's uh, their relationship to the magic. Obviously, the last few weeks we have seen Agnes be completely not bothered by anything that's going on. One thing I noticed this week um, there was the knock on the door, and then Wander from the couch just straight away used a hex to open the door and said, "Hi, Agnes, come on in." didn't turn around. Um, (laughs) She wasn't bothered. She knew exactly who it was at the right time. Um, There's definitely, to me, some sort of of sentient link between the two there because it's, it's getting stronger and stronger each episode.
0: Catherine Han is incredible. She's, She's so freaking good. And uh and that moment with when, when she when she like when she says like, don't worry, I don't bite, and then it cuts that does that quick, you know, office style <laughs> cut. And she's like, Yeah, I bit a kid once. <laughs> it's just so like I was busting a gut laughing. I thought that was so good. Um, probably the closest thing to the office, right?
1: That was the most office y of those yeah. sort of camera yeah. individual sort of things for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But I want to shout out the mole really quick because I looked it up and I thought this would be like a I thought, Kevin, you were going to you were going to do some research on this. But, uh, you know, I'll be I'll be the one to say it Uh, when entering into a contract with the devil, he was believed to mark a witch as his own by placing a mark on her uh and it was often concealed but it could be any sort of discoloration or distortion of the skin such as birthmarks scars or moles so i think honestly i and again i know we keep going back to mephisto and all this stuff but this has got to be some more proof that we're going to get mephisto at some point like kevin come on you you're you're all about this devil thing you got to be well uh, i right?
1: don't know if i i don't know if i am i'm just like is it because i have a birthmark that
0: you Kevin that
2: it would stand <laughs> out for me or something
0: <laughs> i mean you might be a witch yourself i don't know
2: uh i can definitely confirm that uh kevin is a spawn of uh Beelzebub. <laughs> absolutely uh no 100%. but when uh uh agnes mentioned the mole i instantly thought uh a mark of the devil yeah um, and i'm not even mm-hmm. you know as knowledgeable under mephisto I, I struggled to even pronounce his name, um, to be honest with you. That's how little I know. Uh, but I definitely saw that mole as being uh, a mark of the devil. I just thought it was weird that she chose to let the kids look at it and not wonder, unless it had some sort of power, maybe.
0: Mm. Ooh. Well, um, getting back to the the plot here, uh, we get back to Monica and Jimmy as they're uh, they're driving and uh, Jimmy reads an email sent to him from Darcy revealing Hayward's true intentions to get vision back so he can use him as a sentient weapon. We kind of uh, thought this might be the case, uh, you know, last week um, they arrived to meet up with uh, an, another disappointment, Major Goodner. Uh, I mean, she's great. She was fantastic. I'm, you know, I'm sure she's a great person, but, um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't who we were expecting or hoping to see um she clearly had a loyalty to maria who's monica's mom um as she provides them with a tank to help monica's re-entry into the heck so guys before we continue i want to kind of go off of that do we we don't think this is the aerospace engineer that monica was in touch with to develop the tank right because this felt like it was very disappointing if that was the case mike what do you think
2: no it, it has to be a red herring surely right um when we saw monica mention that she was texting we had that very small shot of her on her phone now if she'd have just said oh, i'm texting someone and, and that was it then fair enough but that was a very deliberate shot to put in um this has to be a red herring i'm sure major goodner will turn out to be a good one uh a decent side <laughs> sure. character yeah um but but no surely not surely yeah. this can't be it
1: yeah. yeah, like I, I, I certainly didn't get the impression that Major Goodner was the one that Monica contacted and had designed this equipment, right? This was the military delivering the goods. Uh, I yeah. don't think this is what we were I, – I mean, but it, it, because it wasn't what we were at least hoping for in some way or another, depending on who you hope that character is, the fact that that person wasn't there – uh, was just one of many aspects of this chunk of the episode that was the weakest part of the episode for me. But I'll let you explain what happens
2: next before I sort of break that down a bit more. Uh, before we get to, uh, or I, I believe it was just before we met Major Goodner, did we, we got the uh, the project name, Pro- Project Cataract? Project mm-hmm. Cataract. <laughs> who, who in S.W.O.R.D. is coming up with this? If, if they want to use Vision as a weapon, do you want to yeah. know what makes vision worse? Cataracts. <laughs> <Yes>. Cataracts <laughs> do not help vision. I, I just <laughs> thought that was ridiculous. Yeah. No, I'm I'm
0: sure there's some there's some really really proud sword uh, sword specialist out there or sword officer out there. It's like <laughs> that's great.
1: <laughs> yeah, even even something like Project Iris or something would be sure. better if you were yeah. trying to play off. Of, yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, but yeah, so um, we get back to Vision failing to convince TV show Darcy to hear him out uh, when he zaps her back to reality. Well, there goes gravity and the two hijack a funnel cake truck. Uh, Vision asks Darcy some questions uh, that, you know, we were all kind of asking last week uh, and they drive off in what very much felt like a scene completely ripped out of Arrested Development, like the music was there and, and it mm-hmm. was just I'm like, this is Arrested De- Even the guy that was chasing them <laughs> kind of looked like he was from Arrested Development.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely got uh, either Arrested Development vibes. Uh, the music was almost uh, like Cougar Town-esque, um, yes. you know, but this was very much a like the stuff. hijinks of a, of a weird, like a wild situation from a, a 2000s era sitcom. It just fell into that sort of bracket very well. I just think it could have been done a yeah. bit better. There could have been maybe some funnier lines. They were really cheesy moments instead of like, you know, clever funny lines, but you know, it served its purpose, I guess, sure.
2: Yeah, it literally could have even been my name as well. It literally take a pick of any mid naughty sitcom. <laughs> um, I, I agree, I did find it disappointing. Um, unless one of you is about to blow my mind, um, but the things that were blocking them leaving on the road, um, did they have any semblance? Because to me, they were just time killers, it just felt like. I was wasting time on this episode watching a procession of children and whatnot go past them.
0: <laughs> we'll definitely well, get into that spot in the in the plot for sure. So then, getting back to Wanda, uh, there's more random changes happening around her, uh, and she sees that she sees that dang stork again. Uh, we cut to another mockumentary style moment where she she mentions she mentions she has no idea what's happening uh, and that she doesn't know how to fix it. When a voice off camera asks, "Do you think this is what you deserve?" She responds in frustration, mentioning uh, the person behind the camera isn't supposed to talk. Uh, so quick question, guys. Um, did you catch whose voice it was behind the camera the first time you watched this scene?
2: It was a male voice, wasn't it? That's what I got. But I didn't know who.
0: I, I And that was the thing. Like, I sort of was just like, yeah, it's definitely sounding more like a like I. I the first time I watched it, it was a dude. But I mean, you know, you go back and listen to it closely. Kevin.
1: Okay. Well, because I was going to say it doesn't make sense with what we see later <clears> yeah. in the episode. No. And, and that sort of bothered me. And so obviously you've caught something here and I am
0: dying to know what it is. <laughs> I mean, Justin might have caught it too.
3: Well, when I went back and I watched it and I put on the subtitles, um, it, uh, it, it said interviewer. Didn't say a name. So I don't know that 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 was my first my first attempt to try to figure out if it was someone. Oh, through
0: subtitles. Well, so because I mean, if you if you honestly, again, we'll get to the reveal at the end of the episode. But if you go back after you understand what happens in that scene. And you listen to it, it's Katherine Hahn's voice pitched down. Like you wow. like I cannot like it's crazy. Oh. I cannot unhear it when I listen to it back. And I'm just just like, are you kidding me? Um it's just so cool. It's so cool how they paid attention to little things like that. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, I agree. Like uh, uh with Mike and Justin here, that that is uh really really well done on their part to sort of subvert uh those expectations in that way by sort of masking who was actually talking and another very office moment where by in season nine, the people behind the camera do start talking every once in a while to our characters yeah. on the show. You know, it only
0: happens a few times, but
1: uh, so that was a very much like, you know, an office moment.
0: Um. So guys, uh, before we, we keep going though, we got to talk about this, uh, this Nexus commercial uh, with all the commercials up until this point, having a deeper meaning. Uh, Would anyone like to kind of take a crack at breaking down this one? Um, And and then, you know, I'm sure we all have our (laughs) theories. We're all we're all putting our hands up. Um, Kevin, I'm sure this plays into your Infinity Stones theory in some way. But before we get to that, uh, Justin, go ahead.
3: Well, yeah, I, I thought this was uh, very well uh, positioned as uh, a hint at the multiverse because um, in the comics, in Marvel comics, the Nexus is a huge reference to like a dimensional gateway uh, that sort of provides like a pathway to other possible realities and, and, and uh, between realities and, and and whether that's kind of the idea that she's created a, a sort of nexus with this hex, um, sort of a a protective yeah. um, a cocoon for herself that has now acted as a a gateway uh, into other into other um uh, realities that that's that's pretty that's pretty clutch, right obviously again, the overall theme to follow the rest is is dealing with Wanda's trauma and her her suffering as a character through the marvel cinematic for universe sure. into this this moment so you know it 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 is definitely yeah. very fitting um and i think i'm not sure who called it but someone called that this commercial was going to be a for an an antidepressant uh, and uh, something along those lines so uh it's very fitting yeah
0: very cool
2: Uh, this is actually the point of the uh, episode I wanted to talk about the most Um, the Nexus is actually something I know lots about and Kevin, it was a professional wrestling stable in 2011 Um, I'll have uh, a Wade uh, Barrett yeah, (laughs) Wade Barrett uh, the rookies from NXT, no that's enough of that, I don't (laughs) want to have everyone turn off obviously you've mentioned on the antidepressant I think This is another look into Wanda's psyche. Um, Each each commercial we're getting is a different aspect. Um, It it wants to anchor you back. Well, it works to anchor you back to your reality or the reality of your choice. Um, Did anyone notice Wanda take one later in the episode?
0: Oh no. I thought that I'd saw... So I looked really yeah. closely at that bottle and I wasn't sure if it was if it was Nexus or... Because it kind of looked like it had a W on it.
2: So I don't know it if that was like the, Wanda pills or something. <laughs> it had the red and yellow color scheme, which I noted yeah. in the yeah. advert, which made me think that it was a Nexus, which I think would make it the first product we've had actually make its way into Westview. The line, don't take until your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life. Now... <laughs> I mean, is this another red herring? Are they basically going we we know you think it's it's Benedict Cumberbatch or or what do you think? Oh you doctor, I didn't even way? catch that, dude. You, I didn't oh, even catch mate, that. yeah. Your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life. Now there's only one doctor oh, I know that can clear Wanda to move wow. on with her life, and it's a an English man with a very suspicious accent. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's awesome. That is so you
1: know it's it's funny I watch these commercials and ever since I you know started looking into the theory that every commercial um is representative of one of the the infinity stones that's all I've been uh fixated on and so this week was no different I was like I have to justify how this commercial relates to the last remaining infinity stone obviously um you know we've got the power stone with the toaster the the time stone with the watch, uh, the tesseract shaped bath powder representing the space stone. Um, in the fourth commercial, we got yeah. uh, the ether with the the running liquid, which represents the reality stone. Uh, and then last week, we got the soul stone, um, where you know it was the ice ice dying on the on the beach alone and everything like that. You know your soul basically. Uh, and so this week with the mind stone, uh, if you look a little deeper into what the mind stone represents in at least the comics. Um, it's used to enhance mental and psionic abilities, which I think was alluded to a little bit in this episode through almost various characters. Um, but I really like that uh, the mind stone is the manifestation of the universal subconscious. And so dealing with depression and everything that stems from your subconscious, I think, you know, that I would, pr- I really would have preferred that I had the reality stone left because I think the drug's almost meant to alter your reality but because that's already been taken i have to find it to the mind stone and i'm sticking to it damn it they did all six (laughs) stones prophecy fulfilled
2: (laughs) one more thing before we move on from the advert just as an aside um i love the mickey take of american drug adverts it's one of my favorite things about when i go on holiday the adverts for the drugs like it's an antidepressant whose side effects might give you depression like that's <laughs> yeah. that's just perfect <laughs> like, perfect yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed
0: that there we go uh so then guys we we um we jump back to see agnes with the twins where where billy mentions that he enjoys it at agnes's place because it's quiet there and uh and that agnes is quiet on the inside which is He's very creepy, child. <laughs> saying that, um, and and I think it's another hint to the fact that Agnes isn't under any sort of spell, um, and like there's no alternative voice trapped inside her. But
3: that that hinting of the voices, the voices that he's hearing, the people that are quote unquote trapped. You know Hundred percent. I mean, like this, yeah. the the cries for help, and that's why he yep. feels like it's so noisy. And now now that he's at Agnes, to your point, who's not under control, and he enjoys that that silence. That's that's you know that's very telling to. What what his what he's hearing.
0: And I also thought it sort of was, you know, again, Justin, to your point, if there is any sort of um, deeper connection for, for Agnes to with the kids, you know, maybe that's that first sign that we see like, hey, they like Auntie Agnes more than more than maybe they should because of who she is. Um, but then then we, we, uh, we get back to Monica taking her last shot uh, into the Hex using S.W.O.R.D.'s most heavily armored space rover to sail, quote unquote, right through the Hex. Uh, of course, that doesn't happen. Uh, and as the rover slams into the hex, unable to break through as its structural integrity starts becoming rewritten. Uh, and, and just after Monica escapes the vehicle, we get this epic moment of seeing this half space rover, half pickup truck shoot across the field in front of everyone. Monica then looks back at Jimmy and he shouts, Monica, no, no. And she runs right into the hex and pushes through. We see all the different versions of her uh, as as you know. We hear lines from from Captain Marvel, the film, uh, and eventually she comes through with blue glowing eyes, uh, and then sees the hex in a new way, seeing light and energy. Guys, this this scene was incredible. I was rewatching it as I was putting these notes together. And I I got chills in the moment that she breaks into her power. I thought it was so freaking fantastic. So I, I need a few things here. I need to hear your thoughts on what you thought of this moment and, and what it means for, for Monica. Did she already have these powers? Is this the first time she's using them? Or, or was this the moment that gave her the powers? Is she now photon or spectrum? Uh, Justin, let's start with you.
3: I think the power inside of her is awoken now. Uh, after passing through through the hex we we already knew that this was going to happen yeah um how it happened i thought was pretty cool i actually thought it was pretty cool that she was like breaking up and we're seeing different points of views of, of time and hearing her her past um i feel like it's also very like the hex is a is a a symbol of 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 Wanda's trauma and a cocoon, as I as I referenced, and in many ways, Monica Rambo pushing through. She's doing effectively what Wanda can't: pushing through her trauma, pushing through her struggle, and, yeah, and moving love beyond through the, yeah. through the hex uh, to be uh, to be her own, to be her own uh, person, uh, to 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 uh, as she describes, deal with what she has. And I think that's the interesting dichotomy between Rambo and and Wanda, is that she does have trauma we just we just don't know that trauma we've we've seen glimpses of it uh with her mom passing uh waking up obviously after right um, yeah and there's hints with captain marvel so there there is a trauma that she is not necessarily talking about and i think that in in many ways seeing that moment when she goes through the hex is 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 that as her coming out on the other side very pointly uh, with, with a new perspective. Um, and, uh, you know, it was cool to Mm -hmm. see that she kind of has like this matrix moment where she can see the matrix, you know, or see the hex for what it is through, through the energy and the light. So I thought it was cool. I thought it was really great.
1: Uh, I mean, when you guys put the spin on it like that, where like the significance of it and the symbolism of the moment, sure. But honestly, (laughs) this was the absolute low point of this episode. We spent like it was so lame. We spent like 6 minutes watching like they set this vehicle uh-huh. up this way to get through the hex for like two episodes. Then this vehicle comes, it doesn't work. It's about to get her. Oh, we're supposed to be scared, so she runs and gets out so that the the she doesn't get sucked into the hex. Then she gets off, gets up and runs into the hex. It was 5 wasted minutes. <laughs> 5 absolutely wasted minutes. And then she comes in, shows that she has this new way of seeing the world. Blinks a couple times, and it's gone. I don't know. It was, the whole thing was just a waste of time, and I, do, I just don't know if photon I mean, is a character uh, I've been uh, clamoring for and I'm excited about that. Now photon's here. Yes,
0: I definitely can't agree with you uh, that much, Kevin. Mike, what did you think? Uh, can you can you slam Kevin back down with your with your magic powers uh, as he <laughs> well, as he just berates the best moment in the episode?
2: The best. <laughs> I'm going to go a completely different route to all of you for a second there. I was with Kevin because I'll be honest, I got photon and what was the name of that? Spectrum. Character Spectrum. Yeah. yeah. I have not the foggiest idea who they are. I'm sorry. <laughs> for like, sure. uh, but I- I'm honest about it. So for me, it was just cool. It's someone who is new and they've got powers. Um, so I think, Kevin, you know, maybe you're looking at it a bit too hard. Like at the end of the day, it's someone cool with powers. I don't know what else not to get there. I will agree on the car. That was really, yes, uh, ridiculous. I, it it I traveled agree. through a force field to become a Toyota Hilux. Hard, well, not even a full <laughs> Toyota Hilux, half one. Um, so, yeah, that was ridiculous. But I enjoyed um, when, as I say, some of the symbolism by some, I mean all. Um, but when she was going sort of through the CMBr and she saw different errors of herself, she heard her mum. She had Captain Marvel, as he said. I thought that was good. It added some depth uh, to her character as someone who doesn't really know the law. It made it feel big for me. And when she came back, it looked like she she's got powers, but she doesn't have full control of her powers. Mm-hmm. Like she. Her eyes; she could see reality, and she could see the hex world. It was it was quite combined, and she nailed the superhero stance—the uh, yeah. sort of <laughs> kneeling down, yes. fist on the floor—like for a first attempt, she absolutely smashed that. <laughs>
3: I, I think the, the other thing too, to point out is, you know, cause she's still very passive about the fact that she has these powers. Like she didn't come out and like, was like, oh my God, what's happening to me. Right. She just yeah. kind of like, she just went about what she had to do. So again, another hint that there might be an awareness on her part that she is aware that something's inside of her. And, and I think the hex has amplified it because there is a justification in this whole story or in, in Wanda's story specifically for mutation to exist, because if they were tested on with the mind stone and they survived amongst all the test subjects, then their mutation was already existent inside of them and the energy of the stone brought it to the forefront. And I think that's kind of the same sort of thing that we're seeing here with 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 Monica Rambeau yes. is that she's aware that there's something going on inside of her and she she already knows it. And now that she's passed through the hex. It's amplified it. It's brought it to the forefront. And I don't think she's really too concerned about dealing with that right now, rather than just obviously stopping what the current events are. So I I don't know. I think that it it was, it was well done. There's a lot of questions that still come out of it.
0: Yeah. And I, I fully believe that, that Monica already knew that something was special about her, right? Like, I mean, throughout the series, she keeps disregarding her abnormalities when it comes to her health. And like, you could chalk Mm. that up to her just being determined to save Wanda. But no, she was absolutely aware of what she had. And I think she she didn't she didn't quite know how to unlock it. Um, But I also I also love Justin, your point with her moving forward emotionally like she's she's physically moving forward. She's moving forward emotionally through the hex. And it just fits the way that we see mutants come into their powers in the X-Men films. right? Right. Like that's very, very similar, like just with those. Really strong emotional moments of them getting over something or or discovering something. So that's um, well, that's it. I they get that.
3: over their trauma, right? Like that's yeah. that's definitely a part of how
0: their their gene is
3: is is activated, right? It's yeah. that it's
0: that threshold. So cool. So uh, then we we catch back up with uh, Darcy and Vision, where she explains basically his whole life to him Uh, from Age of Ultron to Infinity War through Endgame Uh, and after getting blocked by construction uh, Darcy drops another incredibly meta line uh, saying she's been watching WandaVision for the past week I mean we know Darcy we all have okay Um, (laughs) we then get back uh, to, to Monica confronting Wanda where Wanda lifts Monica into the air with her powers claiming that all she does is lie as she attempts to slam her into the ground but then Monica does a perfect superhero three-point landing uh, and then looks up with her blue eyes as she stands up to Wanda, mentioning that Hayward is going to make her the villain. Just as she's aligning with Wanda, uh, mentioning that she's, she's living her truth, Agnes steps in to pull Wanda away. Uh, so guys, do you, think, do you think Agnes recognized this as her moment to strike? I mean, clearly she wasn't planning on seeing Monica in the hex, right?
3: yeah I, I don't think that this like i think the moment is it's maybe to strike uh, in the sense that you know activate her plan like get the ball rolling right do you know what yes. i mean like she she needs to start moving and i think that we got that right at the beginning with her her entrance into the house that she's yeah. already aware that she needs to vision's gone right um and he's not at home and I, I, again though with that scene with vision and 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 darcy you know vision's very certain that it's um, Wanda keeping him from coming back home, yeah. but I don't think that's the case. I think it's actually Agnes. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, it was interesting. It was it was interesting, and to see that little glimpse of like maybe a throwdown, which I'm I'm hoping we get a payoff with that, where uh, Monica and Wanda. Oh, go we at will. It. Yeah, there better be a
0: payoff. Oh for yeah, that. totally.
2: Uh, I think Agnes always had the plan this week. Um, I think she put it into play when she took the children earlier in the episode. Yes, um, I absolutely. think, obviously, uh, Monica arriving was uh, through a, a spanner in the works. Uh, so she had to get rid of her. So that's why she was straight over. Um, I obviously, I mean, we'll get to the ending. I think she's got a lot to do, if not all to do of what's going on. And she, she, as you say, she sees uh, Monica as a threat to what's going on. Um, and she doesn't want her around. She doesn't want her around Wonder. She doesn't want her reminding Wonder of reality. Um, and yeah, I think we're definitely heading for a showdown uh, between the two of them, which I'm psyched for. We need like alarm horns going off for that one. <laughs> definitely be pretty cool
1: uh and uh not to change uh topics too much here but you did mention at the beginning of this sort of chunk uh the the scene with vision and um darcy in the car there uh, yeah. and i know mike you alluded earlier where it was a bit hokey it was a bit you know s- even slow in my opinion right this was it was like back-to-back scenes yeah. of like let's get moving here um uh, right. but at least the benefit that this scene with darcy and vision had was was it was it was it was establishing something, right? It was helping Vision um, understand who he was. I thought this was important <laughs> to sort of get right. him back up to speed and everything. So it it, it at least served a purpose.
2: Um, but I think this adds a lot of subtle backstory to Vision um, and his motivation. Like, he knows now that he's died twice. I think he also, I feel, would have more of an understanding of Wanda um, because he knows that Wanda's watched him die. And he is this super smart AI. And I'm sure he recognizes the effect that grief would have on someone by Wonder. Um I think last week as well, he was quite empathetic towards her. Um, so I thought as, as much as it was a bit of a, a silly scene, it added a lot of depth, to vision, motivation for for the rest of the series. Because the I'm sure he's wiped out by now. As soon as he's out of that barrier, that's it. He's gone.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I, I think the uh, those those the, the funny part for me at least was when he's doing the sit down conversation. He's like, "What am I doing sitting here
0: talking <laughs> yeah, to you?" Like and he rips the mic To, up, to your yeah. point,
3: like he starts to clue in that he can control, right? Like he doesn't need to be victim to whatever things are keeping him from getting to where he needs to be. He can just. Be gone, fly. Do you know what I mean? He totally. is Vision, right? So I think there's there's this very real part uh to Vision's character because this isn't a full version of of Vision. And like I, I think they've done such a great job actually in the films telling the story of Vision and, and Wanda, even in the moments while they're in these larger groups to really focus on them and and tell their story. Um, there is a very rich sort of background to that. Um But to see where they're at now, where he has no memory of of these events and how he's going to handle it, I think he's starting to understand why Wanda's like this, like why she's doing this. Uh, I think he feels remorse and, and guilt for her.
0: Um. Yeah. No. I thought. I thought that was uh, a fantastic moment as well. Um. And you know, that's the moment where they get blocked over and over and over again, uh, and then Vision comes to that self realization as you mentioned, and you just sort of this is absurd, and he, he flies away through the through the car, and Darcy's like, okay, I'll I'll catch up with you then. Um. But then we we get back to Agnes taking care of Wanda after that confrontation, and she's like, you know, you know, hopefully you'll be okay. It's okay. Uh, let me get you some tea. And uh, and Wanda looks around the room and and she notices some half-eaten sandwiches, uh, she notices a bug on the wall, and of course Senor Scratchy, but no twins. Um, Agnes mentions that they are probably playing in the basement, uh, and then show you know the show goes sort of full horror mode uh, as we see Wanda venture further down into the hallowed halls beneath Agnes's house. Then out of the darkness, we we finally meet her. Uh, she tells Wanda that. She isn't the only magical girl in town uh, when she finally reveals her identity um, as Agatha Harkness Um, in what can only be described as the most obvious reveal ever. uh, We finally get to see her true form. Um, But then, you know what? We cut to this incredible new theme song for Agatha's show called Agatha All Along. Uh, And in it, we see Agatha behind many of the moments throughout the series, like her first appearance, uh, the talent show messing with with Herb's mind and seemingly controlling Pietro. Uh, And of course, she has that amazing line right at the end of the episode where she says, and I killed Sparky, too. Um, So, guys, I I need your impressions on this whole scene, this this moment, uh, this reveal. We need to talk about that book, uh, of course, that's in there. But of course, you know, before we get to that, Kevin for this new opening theme, or I guess you could call it closing theme, I got you know you're the TV guy. What what was this all about? What what were they going for with this one?
1: It was it was 100 uh, percent the Munsters. Yes,
0: I've heard people saying Adam's Family, and I'm very like very nah. similar.
1: Yeah, but yeah, very similar vibes, like that yes. sort of spooky dookie dookie. Um, but yeah, it was definitely <laughs> playing off of the the the, the 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 sound of the Munsters theme,
0: right? And I love I love how it was Catherine Han actually singing. Uh, Because she was actually credited for that song, which is so cool. She's actually a really good singer, if you don't know. Um, So that was that was super cool. Uh, Justin, what did you think of uh, of this moment, dude?
3: Yeah, this was basically the answer to the question that everyone already knew the answer to. So uh, (laughs) it was it was pretty awesome uh, to get that that immediate gratification of knowing uh, who she is and, and her importance. Um, but I, I think we'll we'll save as we get into, like, her little den in space. The, the, the interesting thing was the cicada that she saw, the, the bug that was on the curtain.
0: For sure. Kevin? I mean, you had
1: said it uh, as we were introducing this sort of scene that it's, like, either the most obvious reveal or if you don't know who Agis- Agatha Harkness is, then you're just, like, okay so she's agatha harkness so what right like i don't know it it just didn't have like (laughs) this huge payoff for me it's great and i'm so glad that Mm. this means that Catherine hahn is a significant player at least in this story and hopefully more going forward because like you say she's wonderful but it was kind of like either yeah no duh or okay so what it's kind of how i can the only two ways i can see that sort of going so it was just a little flat for me great but flat
0: yeah
2: i i enjoyed it um i'm not well because of the series and talking about it each week i read up on agatha harkness so i i was excited to see that confirmed but even still um this show's done a great job for seven episodes of building up a a mysterious antagonist um we haven't really known each week who the big bad is going to be um to maintain that for seven shows in such a stylized format is, is brilliant. Um, great TV. So even though you may not know who Agatha Harkness is, I think now finally revealing who the bad is, um, with two episodes to go, um, this isn't the penultimate episode. We've got some time now. Um, we can learn about Agatha's, uh, m- motivations for people that don't know that before. Uh, mm-hmm. but I just mm-hmm. want to say about the reveal, uh, hands down the most evil house that's ever existed um (laughs) if if you if you showed me that house i would instantly assume a supervillain lived there or someone that like stole (laughs) kids it was so dark it was gloomy (laughs) that bug as you say yeah it was horrendous
0: yeah, I love I love how, dude, I love how dark it got like it. I was getting um, there's a scene I've only actually seen one scene from it. Chapter two, uh, which was, I think, something they used to promote the movie. But the scene where, you know, the, she goes and she's she's at this old lady's house and she's making her tea and stuff. It's really creepy. But I got a lot of those vibes from this scene. And I I really hope this is how dark Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is like, this is what I want from a scary MCU. Um, And, and I mean, again, we've been calling her Agatha from the beginning, um, but that, that theme song more than made up for, uh, for, for, you know, what was going or for the disappointment of, of the reveal.
1: Well, and yeah, and just so much how like, you know, as I've been talking about over the last few episodes where they're masking these scary or tense or stressful moments with maybe sitcom music or whatnot, it shut off at this moment here. We're done playing games. We're done pretending. We're done hiding the truth. Like that went. the music suited the moment that everything was pure horror, pure fear. And they just did that so well. And so to almost build up to that big ah finally was i think it was so well done that they teased it and held off (laughs) until that moment it was a great payoff in that regard
2: that book uh i got massive necronomicon vibes um i'm a huge evil dead guy i've no idea what this is um can you guys fill me in on, on what the book is is that what you were about to bring up Then that's
0: absolutely it justin do you have any idea on what this book might be my friend
3: I have some theories because <laughs> it looked very similar to something that you would see in the Sanctum from yes. Doctor Strange. And knowing that Wanda is going to be tied to Doctor Strange's story, I think that this is hinting at that. There was a lot of stuff that was going on. Like there's the emblems. There's a very circular, culty sort of feel to the to the chamber that that, that Wanda walks into. There are other gods like mephisto like nightmare and other beings um yeah i think there's four or five and i think that what this the the story is hinting at is not just mephisto but all of them i think this is this is the higher gods within marvel the only person that would really know the full details and answers of this is probably our marvel uh expert darcy hudson
1: i mean as if i'm not gonna consult the guru himself right <laughs> um so now um we've actually seen a representation of what he thinks this book might be in other shows like um uh, agents of shield or runaways and it's looked quite different but he's suggesting that it might be the dark hold yes uh, mm. and so essentially the dark hold is an incredibly powerful book uh written by now forgive the pronunciation here Chithon, Chthon, C H T H O N, a very mm-hmm. a, a demon, a demon elder god character. So much like Justin mentioned that there's several in the the, the Marvel universe. Yeah. Um, but the, the significance uh, of the book is that it's played uh, a role in previous comic stories between Wanda and Agatha. But a fun idea oh. about this is that it's also responsible for creating the first vampire. We do have Blade coming up soon. Okay. Um, oh, yeah! And it's, and it's also created, and, and it and it also created um, werewolves, um, which might be like a, a prelude to Moon Knight. So, if this book is going to have any significance, okay. and it's and it's of that vein, like that's awesome that it's going to open up all those avenues for them. But Josh, you absolutely nailed it. That it's, mm-hmm. I think, I think we saw that. Um, you know, we had maybe suspicions that Pietro, whoever he really was, might have been Mephisto. But the way we saw Agatha controlling him, I, I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. Um, Right. Uh, no, but yeah. like, mm, but favorite. if it's a different but if it's a different demon character, such as Chthon, you know, and there is somebody even higher up that <laughs> Ag- Agatha is sort of working for or with. um, And then it goes off in that direction. Mm. I'm all for it for sure.
0: We'll definitely get into a little bit more on on Pietro uh, as we do have a writing question. But before that, um, yes, the Darkhold, uh, the Marvel Book of the Dead. Um, it's it's interesting. People are really quick to point out on the internet uh, that the there's a scene where you see the the Kamartage Library uh, and there's a clear missing book uh, from the library. And when you look back at that library, you see that all the books are on a shelf with holes shaped like hexagons uh which i think is just a perfect like again we need a new MacGuffin. we need a new thing right we need a new tesseract so this would be a great mcguffin for the upcoming dr strange movie and i think agatha needs wanda and her kids to open it justin
3: I think you're spot on that's yeah. exactly it. I think that um you know the this will be not necessarily the tesseract or the 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 infinity stone of of the entire phase four or five whatever, but it will lead to a new world, right? Like a new like them to explore uh this this new realm, if you will, and, and what it's gonna open. And a hundred percent that book has to be tied to something that's gonna happen within Doctor Strange. A hundred percent. Like it just the way that they linger on it, the way it looks, like immediately as soon as I saw it, I thought of the sanctum. It's like a relic that either is yeah. stolen from there or it's it, it's something that the sanctum knows about it and they just don't, you know, they haven't they haven't seen it, they think of it as a myth. Um, So who knows? But, yeah, it's very significant to where where this story is going. Go ahead.
2: Uh, You've just mentioned it as the Marvel Book of the Dead, and it's made me realize that Sam Raimi is directing Doctor Strange 2. So, therefore, we need some sort of Bruce Campbell cameo, and if we can somehow (laughs) incorporate Evil Dead into the MCU, even just tenuously (laughs) like before there was heroes there was there was deadites i mean it's a multiverse who knows
3: i'm calling it i bet you anything bruce campbell will cameo as 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 mephisto or friggin' no. Nightmare. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That'd, be
0: awesome. That'd be pretty That's good. That's a great casting, though. <laughs> yeah. um, so then, guys, we get this... Uh, we get the series' first post-credit scene, uh, which you haven't seen it already. If you haven't seen it already, make sure you do and then come right back here. Uh, but we get this scene where Monica runs over to break into Agatha's basement, and she looks down to see these, these purple vines or roots uh, running through the stairs, causing her eyes to glow purple, when out of nowhere... We see Peter right next to her saying, Snooper's going to snoop, uh, which was a great, <laughs> a great line for him. A great moment. Um, so, guys, with this uh, brings our our writing question for the show um, right at the tail end of the show, um, which, you know, we've kind of already discussed, Justin, Kevin, myself. Um, but now that we have a little more context to go off of, um, this question comes from Trina from Toronto, who asks. So after seeing Pietro during the theme song, Agatha's theme song with that purple glowing you know, on his back, does that make him an illusion or did Agatha actually bring him from another universe? Uh, I know where I stand, uh, but
2: Mike, let's hear your thoughts on this one. I don't know Agatha's powers enough to know if that is possible for her to conjure up someone. So I don't know if I can fully answer this question, honestly, (laughs) Um, but I can definitely see uh, him being brought in from another universe that looks similar to the Fox universe but isn't actually that pietro because right. he does have powers um he, he survived being blasted by wonder um but he is consistently uh, a, a dick like he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's horrible um yeah. he, he was nasty last week and this week very cocky very arrogant um so i i I'm leaning more towards a different universe, but just one we've not seen yet. Interesting. Justin.
3: Uh, yeah, I think, I, I honestly think Mike's kind of touching it right on the nose. Like it, it's, it's, I feel like Agatha brought the wrong version of Quicksilver into this reality. Like, like she might have yeah. like a window into multiple realities and that might be kind of how we set up this multiverse concept. Like, I don't know. I feel like they're going to have some fun with
0: that. I think it's honestly, I think it's actually Evan Peters or yeah. Evan Peters, Peter Maximoff. Like I think he, I think he's being used as a conduit for Mephisto. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm going hard on this Mephisto thing. Okay. It's Mephisto. He's in the show. Just get with it. Um, I think, I think Agatha is helping Mephisto and I think that um, he'll still be the big bad of the series, but I, I don't think he'll be taken care of in this show, but rather be added to maybe like a roster of villains for the upcoming films and shows. Uh, because you got to imagine, right? Like, we, we, we can't just replace Thanos. You know, you need you need a f- maybe a few heavy hitters uh, to be able to do something
2: like that. Uh, so, Esquire reported, uh, <laughs> and it seemed Paul Bettany eliminated Doctor Strange as being. The big Luke Skywalker as cameo yeah. at the end of One So if Evan if Evan Peters is not Mephisto, um, do we think that this end of season cameo is Mephisto? Do you do you think it it's a surprise casting? Because I I think it's very feasible that if they wanted to cast an A lister and they wanted to make it secret, you you bet they're going to make it secret like it's disney they can get it done for sure do many of you think that could be the case
3: i've read rumors that it's brad pitt
2: brad pitt (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh that would be incredible i'm just kidding i'm just kidding. oh that'd be inspired
3: (laughs) i think that's a good point though mike is, is that that could be the uh the cliffhanger here is is this a-lister that they introduce uh for uh for a new role like you know for for that, that's a, that's a good thought I, I actually am intrigued by that bruce campbell
1: oh i, I mean if it's not bruce campbell yeah. as mephisto i'm i'm devastated uh honestly nobody <laughs> will top that but uh, yeah. no I, I i mean now nate maybe i miss misunderstood you but uh like i love the idea and so maybe I'm just coming up with something even that you didn't even quite suggest, but like this idea Mm -hmm. that Evan Peters is playing Quicksilver, but uh, Agatha brought the wrong Quicksilver, maybe because her powers don't allow Mm -hmm. uh, her to bring somebody back from the dead. And so this is Quicksilver just being used. This is Quicksilver being used by her, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which is a wicked idea. And he is now sort of being controlled uh, to do her bidding, and or and maybe is being used as a conduit by a different character, Mephisto, who will later reveal himself to have been using him as a conduit this whole time. Like any sort of combination mm. of that would be
2: very exciting.
3: Lot of conduits, lot of conduits. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
2: Uh, do we think that perhaps uh, Evan Peters may have the twins? I mean, where do we where do we think they are right now?
3: oh
0: that's a good call out that's a good call that is out. a good question yeah, where are they?
2: uncle p has the twins
0: <laughs> i think it's it's very it's very possible um we'll, maybe we'll maybe we'll talk about that just in just a moment but uh, i just want to give a shout out thank you so much trina for writing into the show uh and if you or uh or any of our listeners want to write into the show you don't have to create a whole hex world just to do so uh you can just email us uh justin where can they email us again
3: they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com.
0: <laughs> so we'll get i love that thank you uh we'll get into some theories for sure about uh, about the kids or what we're thinking might happen in the next episode but just before we do uh i want to get your final thoughts your review score on this episode um and uh and for this one we're going to do it on a scale of one to five nexus capsules uh so mike your final thoughts on the episode
2: uh i really enjoyed it i think it left us on uh a really great ending for the last two episodes. I'm psyched to see Agatha in full villain mode. We've still got answers to find out, um, but I I believe in responsible uh, pill-taking, so I'm not going to give it the full five. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I reckon four and a half is a safe dosage. There you go. Very cool. Nice. Justin?
3: Yeah, I think I would take four and a half nexus capsules of this because <laughs> this was great it was a good setup um yeah. literally i'm just like let's go like we got we got the 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 answer to the biggest question that we've been asking for the last six episodes um and we're we're in the last two so let's let's do this i am stoked for for what's about to come and i you know i i think that will to mike's point we're gonna get some more answers uh, we're gonna get a little more uh, prerogative as to what Agatha' intentions are and how she found herself. So I think it's going to be really... It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to really feel like a, a Marvel piece towards the end
0: here. Yeah, for sure. More and more than ever.
1: Kevin. Um, and so as I mentioned off the top, I, I just... I felt a little disappointed by certain aspects of the episode. Uh, Again, I don't think there's necessarily an issue with the fact that the big reveal at the end was a bit obvious for anybody who did any sort of looking into who the character might be. And and it's not like they disguised it all that well, right? Agnes isn't that much of a cover for Agatha uh, when you really look into it. Um, But I just think that there were those two back-to-back scenes that took up a good you know, five or six minutes of the episode where it was, it slowed things down a bit that everything else suffered for it. Um, But I do think they established a lot. They, they, they made a lot of important steps forward. And so for a pre penultimate episode, sort of going, here's your setup for those last two big boisterous episodes. I think it served its purpose. And again, there's, there's never been, a bad episode of this show, and this certainly wasn't one, uh, but it will receive a lower score. So I'm going to give it uh, 4.1 out of five Nexus
0: capsules. There you go. There you go. I definitely, I'm going to chime in and just kind of say, yeah, everything you guys have literally just said. So, you know, for me, I, I think though with this show, like, Even when it misses, it's kind of like Pixar. Even when it misses, it still kind of knocks it out of the park. Uh, And I think there were some amazing moments in this episode. And there were, you know, some really heart pumping moments in the episode. But there was also a lot of padding uh, in the episode, more than we're we're used to with the series. And so um, I I think it makes sense. Again, as I mentioned, the 2000s era sitcoms are kind of usually structured that way. But um, I just don't think it worked for this point in the season uh with only two episodes left. So um I said it before. I, I, I really love that we are getting the Monica origin story through this. Uh and and you know this was obviously a big episode for that character in her development. So that was that was really nice to see. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um I would just give this four out of five Nexus capsules. I don't need a full dosage. Uh but I mean this episode didn't make me depressed either so uh so it should be okay.
2: Oh <laughs> I had a uh, a sort of fit thought uh, towards the end. I don't do you guys think we're getting any more sitcom episodes or or should I say TV episodes because the ending of this episode with the uh, the stairway with the purple sort of vines and the creepy sort of uh, basement of Agnes's house gave me serious stranger things vibes. And I do wonder whether we may get a, a Stranger Things vibe episode next week, followed by a full MCU style film uh, in the finale. What do you guys think? We're we're done with the uh, stylized episodes now, or
3: maybe we could be done, and and we'll see other elements trickle in. But I think this is it for the sitcom. I think we're now going to get into full you know, story mode here, if Full you Full MCU
0: mode, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: MCU mode, there you go, that's that's the term. Um, but I, I think that, y- absolutely, I was getting Stranger Thing vibes as soon as she walked down the stairs, right? Like, I, I totally agree with you. Like, yeah. it, it really did kind of, uh, you know, touch on that in terms of, from a visual standpoint. I think that that's very safe to say. And who knows if that isn't uh, a form of inspiration because it's coming from underneath and it's this sort of, you know, inverted, um, We'll we'll see.
1: Well, yeah, I think I think that's a really important note to touch on is that it it felt kind of like a Stranger Things episode or whatnot, and I think we'll get we'll continue to get nods to past television experiences throughout the last two. But I think the the this the sort of episode modeled after something very very specific. We are done just because a we're out of time. We've we've run through now the 2010s, and so. You know, uh, we don't have much more to work on, uh, but I also think they need to sort of focus more on the concluding this story or at least showing us where it's going
0: beyond this. So, yeah, it definitely seems like uh, everything is getting turned upside down. Uh, uh, Well, (laughs) anyways, it's so hard with this show not to just predict things and make predictions and halfway through the half through through our discussion but uh, um for the you know for this section we're going to kind of give our our predictions for you know what we what we think might happen on the series going forward with only with only two more episodes left it's going to be really interesting to see how things wrap up um and how they can satisfy fans while leaving enough elements in the dark um so guys I want to know uh, what's the vision Justin <laughs>
3: um so I think I think a huge part of what you've just described, is it's very true. It's like, it's hard to really predict what is going to happen, given that it's only two episodes. I will say that I think we'll get some flashbacks. Yes. I think we're going to get some flashbacks, some like, you know, before uh, I hope all so. of this happened kind of thing. I, I, I feel like we'll get some of that. And maybe from Agatha's perspective, maybe, uh, maybe we'll actually see the events of what happened in the SWORD facility with uh, Wanda extracting. Uh, Vision's body. To Mike's point, as he was touching on before, is that we we might learn more details about past events that have influenced this other than the obvious events that we know. We might start to see a little bit more of of other layers to some of these characters and, and how we got here.
0: No, for sure. Yeah. Mike, what's the Vision?
2: Uh, so I think that we're heading to a cliffhanger finale to be honest. Um, oh. I think it's a real shame that The schedule's been knocked around uh, because in a pre-COVID world, we were meant to have got Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and the Falcon and the Wind Soldier before this. In fact, we weren't even meant to get WandaVision until spring of this year. and Then we were going to get Doctor Strange immediately followed up. So I think Doctor Strange is definitely going to be coming in. I don't know... I think he is big enough to be a big cameo, but I think people may have picked it up in their heads that it's going to be something more. Maybe they will throw in a a line about mutants to get people excited, but I think it's going to end with Wanda as uh, setting up the the baddie with Mephisto, who I think we may not see until the very last bit of the finale. Um, And then that leads on to Doctor Strange. The only problem with that is then we leave the cosmic world and we don't head back there for quite a while um, because we do have the films that were postponed in between
0: yeah yeah no, and it, i think that's that's one of the trickiest things about having this you know continuity this this massive universe of of films um i mean obviously they weren't expecting a, a pandemic uh, but kevin i gotta know what's the vision for you my friend
1: uh oh, it's so tough isn't it uh i mean i mean i think that's one of the things this show has done so well is that uh you know it, it's it for so much of it it's been what is going on where where is this leading to what are they proposing here what are they suggesting um and so i think the two biggest questions i have going into these last epi- uh, two episodes are you know um what's the fate of the kids going to be like where are they now and how did they come right. to be, and also, like, is Vision going to survive this? I mean, did is this all just an exercise so Wanda can sort of deal with that grief and then find a way to either move on or be crushed by it and become the big bad, or you know what I mean? And so, I think those are my two questions that I'm I'm curious to see if we'll get answers to um, as we wrap things up. And and again, the best part is I really wouldn't wager money on one thing or another sort of coming true. I mean, I think with Agatha, we could have all after the first episode gone, this is where that's going, however long it takes them to get there. But there's so many questions where I couldn't begin to sort of speculate the actual answer to, and that's what makes it so much fun.
3: Well, she fooled you last episode, though, eh? She thought she was, yeah, she's not Agatha.
0: That was great. That was great. (laughs) I thought that was so well done to sort of set this up, you know? And, and I think I think that's kind of the cool aspect about how this show is working. Like, I'm wondering if to Justin's point, do we almost get sort of like a a bookend effect, right? Where we got to see the four episodes in and then we got to go to the the moment with with uh, Monica's back, you know, flashbacks. And now we're going to get to see Wanda's flashbacks and and her interactions with how she got tangled up with Agatha. Um, I think it's going to set up another huge reveal uh, which will be kind of the focal point of like sort of like a final showdown between Agatha, WandaVision, and Monica, uh, and I'm I'm just so stoked. That's that's my what division.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say uh, this has been such a well structured mystery show, um, one that uh, in some ways has reminded me of Watchmen, the HBO series. That yes, took, mm. uh, that took quite a few episodes to really understand what was going on. Uh, now, so obviously, oh it's. It's my favorite miniseries of all time. I I adore it. Um, But it took took a few episodes to know what was going on. It it made you guess. Um, It it wasn't feeding you answers. Now, obviously, this is an MCU project, so it's got to appeal to everyone. It it can't be quite as as mysterious, but it's still done a really good job of drip-feeding you answers, keeping you intrigued. Um, And we've got two episodes going with, and we're still debating what or how this is gonna end. <laughs> For sure. We- yeah. We'll debate forever. <laughs> oh, that's the joy of Marvel.
1: Speaking of the joy of Marvel, I will uh just piggyback on something you uh said earlier, Mike, and that uh, you know, wherever, however this ends, be it with a cliffhanger or setting up a whole bunch of stories. The unfortunate thing is that while we're going to be spoiled with Marvel stories and adventures and stuff for basically every single week for the rest of the year on Disney+, Plus, whatever happens in this won't be addressed for months and months and months, if not until the end of the year or even longer, right? Like, it's almost a shame that there's going to be so much in between before we ever see the fallout from this
2: i wouldn't be surprised if they snuck in a little post-credit scene for a film coming up based on the popularity of this get a couple of people in for a day or two put a, put a little stinger in you never know it could happen
0: yeah and i think i think after the end credit scene of this maybe that is the sort of lead us into the idea of, of getting an end credits uh, a scene. And th- you know what? This past uh, moment of us just all talking here felt like an end credits scene. Uh, so that's it, guys. Um, we hope you enjoyed this week's breakthrough episode of Watch Club. And if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Tune in next week to hear our thoughts on the penultimate episode, episode eight, uh, where we'll have even more to discuss. Uh, and yes, even another special guest making a return to the show show. So, you know, definitely check that out. Also, if you don't know, uh, we've got more than just our watch club. As I mentioned earlier, uh, when we were talking about some WWE stuff, we have some regular episodes of the geek centric podcast as well with our latest episode, focusing on our most guilty of guilty pleasures. It gets really, (laughs) really guilty. Uh, It's almost as revealing as, as this episode was. So give that a listen and feel free to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, Mike, I know uh, I've been paying close attention to your social media and you always seem down uh, for a good opportunity to advertise. So before we wrap things up, uh, why don't we just take a quick moment and you, you can let the people know again, where can they find you? Where can they find more of, uh, of Mike Hogan?
2: There is a plethora of plugs for you here. You can find me on Twitter at Hogue's Bay. It is spelled ridiculously. That is H-O-G-E-Z-B-E-Y-Y. Uh, There is a reason for that. It's far too long for this. Um, I (laughs) help out with Up Next Podcast. Um, We're a member of the Post Wrestling Network. We cover, I say we, I do the socials. Braden Harrington and Davey Portman cover NXT and AEW every Wednesday and Thursday. Um, They do it live on Twitch and the podcast drops after. There's a Patreon with a ton more additional content. And I do a show every Friday on Twitch uh twitch.tv slash up next podcast called the other guys with john c know where we break down one division. we talk movies tv um come and hang out the twitch community is really good um it's nice to have people to talk to times are a bit rubbish it's been great to hang out with you guys thank you very much for having me on um it's been a while yeah, since thank I've you seen for me. joining so this has been lovely yeah, <laughs> yeah this is great yeah
0: it's always good to catch up with friends and talk WandaVision uh Mike we're gonna make sure we have all those links uh in the description so for any of our listeners who want to check any of that stuff out it's just a tap away uh so make sure to do that uh Justin, Kevin, Mike thank you so much for joining me for today's Watch Club and as we say WandaVision. WandaVision